Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Hi there, you're listening to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. My name is Lauren and today we are joined by Kate from Siblings Australia. Kate, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, uh, yes, I'm Kate Stroman, as you said, I'm the Director of Siblings Australia and uh, look forward to talking to you. Great, so we'll get started into, into the questions. Kate, what is your personal experience of being a sibling of somebody with a chronic condition? Well, I grew up with an older sister um, with cerebral palsy um, that included both physical and intellectual disability. Uh, she was my only um, sister. I had no other brothers or sisters. And uh, it was a pretty big impact. Um, and uh, But, yeah, that I really didn't understand, I don't think, until I got a little bit older. Hmm. Um, so as a child, what were your feelings about your sister's condition? Well, it was a really mixed bag. Um, I felt very loving and protective towards her, um, but I also felt fear. Uh, She had seizures. Um, I also felt embarrassed by her unusual behaviour. And and so there was a lot of confusion about my feelings. I had a lot of guilt that I could do things that she couldn't do, but also felt guilty if I ever had any bad feelings about her and and uh, what was happening in our lives I also had a lot of grief and I think I felt grief for her and the struggles that she had but also a lot of grief for my parents and the sorrow that I you know could sense they were feeling uh, and also grief for myself that as I got older I didn't have a brother or a sister who I could have a so-called normal sibling relationship with mm. Um, and so often with siblings of a chronic condition, like the needs of the siblings can be overshadowed or, you know, there are times where you might not be the main child to, of the focus of the family. Was this the case for you? Well, very much so, although I did feel very loved. Mm. Um, but yes, um, especially when I was younger, apparently when I was about four um, and my sister was four years older than me, uh, my mother would still need to dress my sister. So I went through a period where I wouldn't dress myself at four years of age. I said, you dress her, you can dress me. Oh. And so I obviously uh, felt that uh, in many ways. But uh, like I said, I I also had um, a lot of loving attention as well. But I think siblings do often grow up with that sense that they're perhaps not the most important child in the family. Yeah, um, what would you say was the most challenging aspect of having a sister with cerebral palsy? Well, I think in, in my case and in a lot of families, there was ongoing stress um, around her different disabilities, uh, some of her behaviour, 
Uh, and so for me, there was a lot of confusion as well and, and thinking that you know, maybe I was a bad kid because sometimes I felt resentful of what was happening around us. And I think the other thing was that, um, like a lot of other siblings, I felt quite isolated, that no one really understood what it was like for me and there wasn't really anyone that I could talk to about the, the mix of feelings that I had. And, and in many ways, I, I really became the good girl. Um, you know, I was sort of very um, mindful of not rocking the boat for my parents at all because I could tell that they were dealing with enough stress uh, and that's a, a constant pressure for a child in that situation. Yeah, so you didn't really have anyone that you could express your feelings to regarding your situation at the time? No, and I think that's very common. Uh, you know, So many siblings that I talk to tell the same story that yeah, no one really understood what it was like for them. People look at the sibling and think, well, they can walk and talk, they should be fine. Uh, they don't understand the emotional impact on uh, a child and, and the often siblings, usually siblings, uh, are experiencing these things first when they're children, when they don't have the same emotional and cognitive maturity that, say, parents have. Yeah, so obviously your organisation knows that it can lead to certain mental health problems both in young childhood, but also into adulthood. What are some of the emotional issues that come with having a sibling? Well, I think the stresses can sometimes lead to uh, quite um, a lot of anxiety. Uh, I see that a lot in siblings and certainly um, you know, researchers have found that. The other thing is that because there's a, a range of feelings that can't be expressed, whether that's anger or guilt or grief or whatever, I think that uh, many siblings do also experience depression and the Australian Institute for Family Studies actually showed in a study they did a few years back that siblings did have higher rates of depression than other young people. And also I think we've, we've done various surveys of siblings and often siblings in those have talked about the anxiety and depression. Mm. So you're the director of behind Siblings Australia. What sort of, all, all your experience sort of led you to establishing the organisation? Well, yes. I mean, I had a number of other careers before this. Um, originally, I was a hospital scientist and then a health educator and a counsellor and a journalist and a whole range of different things. But uh, in my, um, you know, in my middle age, I started to look at my experiences and explore what they meant and and you know what were some of the things that I was struggling with and and I started to write a book and the impetus for that was really to let people understand what the issues were for siblings and my husband had sabbatical in the US and we were in the US while I was writing the book and I came across some programs over there for siblings and and decided to try and set up something back in Australia when we got back and and I sent out a an email to a whole range of contacts that I had in the health promotion area and the head of psychological medicine at the Children's Hospital in Adelaide picked it up and said I want to support you and uh, so then that was 18 years ago mm. and um, things have gone from there. Yeah so the mission statement of your organisation is siblings acknowledged connected resilient. Why is acknowledging the experience of siblings so important? 
Well, I think that's the first step. And unless we acknowledge the challenges for siblings, then there's no real impetus to create supports. And certainly at the moment still, siblings aren't acknowledged at government level. There's no policy, no national programs. And siblings will usually have the longest relationship of anyone with the person with disability. And so they're hugely important, but again, they're very overlooked often in the disability sector as being people who can contribute a lot to the life of the person with disability, but they also need support themselves. So yes, that acknowledging is really the first step and what I've spent a lot of time trying to raise awareness about. Yeah, I've never really thought about it as they'll spend the longest amount of time with the affected person. That's mm. a really interesting way of putting it, yeah. And they can contribute so much in terms of the well-being of that person with disability. And a lot of people with disability become isolated, mm. whether they've got you know, intellectual, physical or mental illness or whatever, they can become very isolated. And, and yet we put so little effort into nurturing and strengthening that relationship between siblings from when they're much younger. And part of that is giving siblings support as well. Yeah, so what are the types of connections that are crucial for the well-being of siblings? Well, I think it starts within the family and I run workshops for parents on how they can support siblings and we've got other resources for them. And I think though, I think that the immediate family but also extended family and friends play a big role when children are very young. As they become older, um, then I think that siblings can get a lot of benefit from other siblings who really get it. Uh, and that's the other thing that you know, we've tried to do um, with mixed results. Um, without resources, we've really struggled to do more of that. But I think that siblings getting together with other siblings, um, certainly from primary school age, can be very beneficial and certainly in adulthood. But then there's also other people, other connections that siblings can make with people who can really contribute to that, and that might be the teachers or if they're involved in a church group or community groups or even GPs can play a role. Mm. So how do you help build resilience in siblings of people with a chronic condition? Well, I think there's probably two or three key things. One of the things is that from an early age they can get information about... Uh, what the disability means for the person with that disability, what it means for the family, to really understand uh, what it is that uh, um, is happening and, and why. And then it's around coming back to helping them, I guess, understand some of the feelings that they have and, and why they might feel that way and letting them know that really any feeling is okay. Not all behaviours are okay, but it's okay that they might get upset if perhaps the, the picnic that the family was going to go on needs to be cancelled. It's only natural that a child would be angry or resentful about that and they need to know that that's okay. They're not a bad kid, but, you know, they can't maybe, you know, punch a hole in the wall or, or hit their brother or sister or whatever the, whatever the rules are within that family. But I think it's really important for children to understand that their feelings are okay they also need some skills to manage the challenges, whether that's the stress, whether it's teasing from other kids, um, you know, whatever those challenges might be, um, having people to help them learn to, to manage those. 
and then finally contact with other siblings because it's really only other siblings that really understand. I think parents understand the, the benefit of getting together with other parents and sibling, for siblings it's very similar that there's so many aha moments when siblings get together. Mm. And I remember um, we've talked a little bit about um, siblings supporting those with chronic conditions, but often sometimes siblings can develop their own mental health problems from having a sibling with a chronic condition. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Well, yes, I think siblings really intersect with the mental health area in two ways. First, as a sibling of somebody with a mental health condition, and then also as somebody who might uh, develop a mental health condition because of the stresses of growing up with somebody either with mental illness or other disability. And again, they're just not recognised enough in either of those um, areas, I guess. And so, you know, I think it is really important to think about um, how we can acknowledge and support them. And also in terms of the the second situation where they might develop their own uh, mental health issues, how we can prevent that. Um, Because it's not rocket science what these young people need. Yeah, so what are some of the services and supports that you provide at Siblings Australia? Well, again, um, because we don't have any core funding, we're fairly limited, it's really just me, uh, but I, I run um, workshops when I'm asked for parents and for professionals. We develop resources. We've got a, a SibWorks program, which is a peer support program for primary school-age children. Uh, we developed a DVD for parents. Uh, we've at the moment we've got a small grant to do some work on um, with adult siblings and we're developing some online information and also peer support networks for siblings and we've got groups that have started in peer support groups that have started in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth so that's um, really wonderful. Yeah. I also provide parent one-on-one sessions, information sessions on how they can support siblings and that's available, that can be reimbursed through the NDIS. Um, and then I spend a lot of time answering inquiries and, and we also have some online um, support services for siblings, um, Facebook groups and, and forums and things like that. Mm. And a lot of the workshops that I used to run have really dried up though since the NDIS has come in. I think organisations have less flexibility with their funding and so I think the number of sibling programs and the number of workshops I'm asked to um, present has really reduced. Mm. But it's not as if there's a reduced need for them, there's still a lot of people out there who need support as well. Mm. Mm. Um, Well that's a good segue to the next question. Why do you think that the needs of such a vulnerable group are not fully recognised by and addressed within the community and the government? Well, I think within the community, generally, people just don't understand. As I said before, you look at a sibling and they can walk and talk, so the the feeling is, well, why would they need support? And people don't understand the impact. Everyone seems to understand the impact on parents. Mm. You know, we put millions and millions into parent support uh, programs. Um, So everybody recognises that, but these are often little children who are dealing with some of the same stresses. And the other reason that I mentioned before is that siblings just aren't anywhere in policy or programs at a national government level and I think that's um, really unfortunate. Mm. 
So since you established the organisation 18 years ago, do you feel like support and understanding of siblings' experiences has progressed? Well, yes and no. Certainly there's increased awareness um, through the work that we've done over those years, um, through workshops, our website, social media, all of those things. Um, but the fact that you know the only organisation in Australia to really advocate for siblings and provide uh, to focus on on sibling services and resources um, can't get any funding, any core funding uh, is really an indictment that the understanding just hasn't really progressed and. And the fact that there's still no national policy, um, you know, I think really shows that, yeah, it hasn't progressed as much as certainly I would have liked it to. Mm, so that's something you'd like to see in the future is national policy come into play to help support? Well, definitely. And I think at the very least, Siblings Australia should have advocacy funding because that's what we've been doing for 18 years, mainly in a voluntary capacity. And, and you know, there needs to be somebody that's standing up and saying, well, what about siblings? Mm. So where can our listeners go to find more information about your organisation? Well, probably uh, the first place would be the website. Um, that has, And we're actually getting a new website soon, so it'll be, there'll be a bit of transition over the next few months. But it's still up there now. It's just siblingsaustralia.org.au. And um, that's got... Uh, a range of resources and information and and through that people can um, contact us if they want to find out any more about our services. For example, the NDIS um, parent information sessions I run or the adult sibling peer groups that are around Australia. Um, The information about those is on our events page but uh, and the other information about the information sessions is on the parent page. But people can contact us if they'd like to know more. We also have a Facebook page. And so if people want to just keep in touch with the work we're doing, I always um, post things on there about what we're doing. And so, yes, if people would like me to run workshops or run information sessions or whatever, then um, I uh, would love to hear from them. Yeah, and we'll make sure that the links to everything is up on our podcast page as well so that if people are interested, they'll be up there. That's great. The other thing is that this year we are also doing a mapping project just to see what is out there in terms of sibling support. And so if anybody would like to contribute to that or if they know of organisations that are running sibling programs, we're going to be surveying providers, parents and siblings. And so if people want to stay in touch about that particular project, they can also contact us via the website. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And just lastly, um, for anyone out there who might have a sibling with a chronic condition, what sort of advice would you offer to them? I would say reach out. Um, I'd say read some things about uh, written by other adult siblings. Um, I've written a book, but there are others as well. And... Um, yeah, just reach out to um, the Facebook group that we have on on um, Facebook called SibChat for Adult Siblings. I also run one for teen siblings with one of the leaders in the Sib area in the US. Um, but yes, yeah, so reach out and I think that siblings gain so much by having contact with other siblings and um, it just Yeah, that's definitely the key is to feel connected and feel like you're not alone in any experience. 
exactly and and that depend you know that can siblings can have all sorts of different relationships and experiences some may not have any contact with their brother or sister with disability but they may also still need support others are, are maybe playing a very strong caring role um, and might need other information and resources and and so you know, all of those siblings are welcome um, certainly to our programs and, and uh, what we provide. Mm, well, that's great. Thank you so much, Kate, for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure too. You can catch more of our shows at brainwaves.org.au or find our podcasts on the 3CR website. That's 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves. We also have them on iTunes. If you have any show ideas or if you want to get in contact with us, feel free to email brainwaves at wellways.org. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for a new episode of Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.